Great job, guys. Man, I, I love the way this song speaks so much to what we're talking about. We are in this series on forgiveness, and this song talks about forgiveness, and not just that, it talks about the impact that forgiveness has in our lives. When you think about the, the way the bridge talks about how your grace is the only thing that makes me want to change. Man, how true is that? There is so much change that comes with the forgiveness of God. See, we call the forgiveness of God grace. And the thing is, if that grace is not impacting our lives, if it's not bringing change, if there's not some desire within us to experience something more, to share that experience with others, then we're probably missing something. Forgiveness brings impact in our lives. Impact's kind of a cool word to talk about change and to talk about developing in that way. Because I think sometimes impacts, impact can have a little bit of a violent connotation to it, right? My first thought is I get thrown back into high school football. And I remember multiple impacts that would leave like your helmet a little bit crooked. You're starting to question whether you made the best decisions in life. Like, like those hits can make a little bit of change there. Anyone who's ever been in a car accident. You understand the changing power of impact. Whether you maybe were unlucky enough to be injured in a car accident or just the emotional kind of roller coaster that goes on with that because car accidents do leave that little bit of a fallout emotionally. And then on top of that, you've got to deal with insurance companies, which is always a fun time. So you've got all of these things that bring about different changes within your life because of this violent event that occurred. The crazy thing is, though, is impact also can happen from the perspective of something small, something little, something that we don't expect that actually ends up having huge consequences. I heard this amazing story about the actress uh, Tippi Hendren. Tippi Hendren was the lead in Alfred Hitchcock's The Birds. So this was a little while ago, obviously. Um, but she was also part of a large number of humanitarian efforts and worked through a bunch of different organizations there. And as the direct relief director for this or one organization, she went to visit some refugee camps that were in Sacramento, California, that were Vietnamese people during the Vietnam War. So this refugee camp was set up in California. She was going to check things out to see how her organization could help out. And the Vietnamese women there were just enthralled by her fingernails. She had these well-manicured fingernails, and they were just amazed by this to the point where she thought it would be cool to bring in her manicurist and let them have manicures and all this other stuff, just as this small kind of token of, of a blessing. And what came from that is they all learned how to do manicures. And now, today, 80% of the nail salons in California are Vietnamese-American run. This small event that happened had a huge impact. See, the seemingly small things in our lives can sometimes create these huge consequences. This morning, our focus is going to be the impact of forgiveness. We're looking at how forgiveness impacts our lives, and we're also going to talk about how unforgiveness can impact our lives. How when we live in this place where we're refusing to forgive, it can impact our lives in huge ways as well. So we are in the midst of this series, DIY, and DIY is all about how forgiveness is a do-it-yourself project. Forgiveness is a do-it-yourself project, meaning that forgiveness has to happen within ourselves. It's something that has to occur on our own. 
last week we talked about how Jesus calls us to forgive in an unlimited way. He calls us to forgive every single time. Obviously, that's not super easy to do. Obviously, that is a challenging thing for us, especially when we start to look at and interact with the different things that we have in our day-to-day life. But when we can recognize how forgiveness should be the norm in our lives, when we get to that place, now we get to understand and experience the impact of that forgiveness. The Mayo Clinic did a study on forgiveness and the way in which it impacts the human life, the human body. And when they, what they came out with were all these results that showed that people who lived a forgiving life had healthier relationships, improved mental health, they had less anxiety, less stress, less hostility, they had lower b- blood pressure, fewer symptoms of depression, they had a stronger immune system, which I know most of us probably feel like we want right now in the midst of all these diseases and things flying around, improved heart health, improved self-esteem. All of these things were shown to be things that were impacted by forgiveness. But how do you forgive someone when they've caused you so much hurt? How do you get to that place where somebody that's caused you so much pain and so much offense in your life, how do you get to that place where you can forgive that person? How do you forgive the spouse who's been unfaithful? How do you forgive the spouse that's put you through a nasty divorce, maybe a nasty custody battle? How do you forgive the person who's abused you, mentally, physically, whatever? How do you forgive that person when maybe they've been doing it for years? How do you forgive the person that took something from you? Maybe it's your health, whether by accident or on purpose. Maybe it's a loved one. How do you get to the point where interacting with that hurt allows you to get to the place where you can forgive? We have some serious, real-world things that so many people are carrying around every single day. So much hurt, so much pain, all of this stuff that we're carrying. Some of you right now are carrying this. Some of you have that hurt. Some of you are feeling this offense within you as we talk about forgiveness. So when you start to hear this conversation about needing to forgive, it's a challenge. But what happens when we don't forgive? What happens when we get to that place where we think we cannot forgive? We end up with bitterness, we end up with anger, we end up with hatred. We start to become cautious about every single relationship in our lives. We get so wrapped up in our past hurts that we can't live in the present. It leads to this lack of feeling of purpose and meaning. And it definitely impacts our connectedness with the people around us. This morning we're going to look at some of the misconceptions we have towards forgiveness. Because I think sometimes we have a false perception of what forgiveness actually is. So we're going to look at that a little bit later here this morning. We're going to try and scratch the surface on how we can forgive and the impact that that can have in our lives. And to do all of this, we're going to be looking at a story here today. If you were ever a kid in church, this is a story that at the time probably just seemed like a silly little story that you heard. But it actually shows us the immense impact that forgiveness can have in somebody's life. We're looking at the story of Zacchaeus. So I want you guys to be tracking with me as we go through this and as I tell the story. So for those of you who did grow up in church, I know you need to get it out of your system. Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee little man was he. Right? That's all I know. I I didn't grow up in church. So (laughs) 
But I knew that I needed to at least get that out of the way. Otherwise, the whole time we're telling the story, you're just going to be singing that in the back of your head, right? So we are going to be digging into this. This is in Luke 19. This is verses 1 through 10 in Luke 19. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to pull those things out. We will have the words up on the screen as well. We're starting right off here in 19 verse 1. He, this is Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was of a small stature. So he was short. So he couldn't see over the crowd. So he came on ahead and he climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. For he was about to pass that way. So here's Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus would have been somebody of influence. He was the chief tax collector. He was an important guy in their culture, in their society. In fact, he was a guy that would have been rather wealthy. And because of that, he was also detested. In the Jewish society, he was undesirable because he was working on behalf of Rome. And he was also, just like most tax collectors, overtaxing and swindling people out of money to make himself rich. So here's a wealthy, important man who chooses to climb a tree just to get a glimpse of Jesus. Think about that. How many rich people do you know that make a habit out of climbing trees? That's something that a kid does, right? Usually, if you're important and you're wealthy, you are not going to undignify yourself in that way. But here's Zacchaeus climbing this tree just to see Jesus, just to have this small interaction with him. Verse 5, and when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down, and he received him joyfully. Jesus knows who Zacchaeus is. He shows up. He calls him by name. He says, get down here. I'm staying at your house. So instead of just this moment of interaction with Jesus, instead of just this small thing of I just want to see him as he goes by, instead Jesus decides to interact with him in a deeper way by, bringing him, or by inviting himself to Zacchaeus' house. So Zacchaeus receives Jesus, and then the crowd grumbles a little bit, verse 7. When they saw it, they all grumbled. He has gone to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. So you've got the Pharisees and these overly, overly religious folks who, once again, because we see this all the time, are complaining about who it is that Jesus is hanging out with, who he's associated with. This is where the story gets interesting, though. So Zacchaeus... Remember, this dude's life has been about swindling, making more money, taking advantage of people. Zacchaeus stood and says to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, since he also is son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Zacchaeus stands, and he declares what he is going to do. I'm giving away half of my fortune to the poor, and then every person that I've taken advantage of, I'm returning it fourfold. And Jesus' response to him is, today salvation is yours. Salvation has come to this house. See, Jesus is acknowledging that Zacchaeus is forgiven, that Zacchaeus has received salvation and it's not because of the fact that he's giving away his stuff it's because of his interaction with Jesus 
Zacchaeus' interaction with Jesus is what saves him. The relationship that he forms with Jesus is what saves him. His generosity that comes out of it is the impact that that forgiveness has in his life. Somebody whose life is completely characterized by being a swindler, by being a rich man, who spent his whole life trying to take advantage of other people because of the forgiveness of Jesus, does a complete 180 and gives away money and completely transforms his life. The impact that forgiveness has is immense on his life. Can you imagine the extent by which he has been forgiven in order to be willing to go against everything he has done his entire life? That's insane. In fact, I'm sure that the people that he was returning money to were probably like, okay, what's the deal here? Is he doing this for some other reason? Like, is he trying to get me to give him more somehow? Like, what's happening? I'm sure there was a challenge in overcoming that perception. But forgiveness has had an amazing impact on this guy's life. And forgiveness should have a huge impact on our lives as well. See, this is what the text is trying to show us. It's trying to show us that when we interact with the forgiveness of God, there should be this incredible change in our lives. See, a change that most of us probably don't think is possible. A change that comes because of the saving grace of Jesus. True salvation always brings transformation. That's the impact. That is the impact of forgiveness. When we accept that impact, of, or we accept the forgiveness of Jesus, it should bring change in our lives, and not the least of these should be the ability of us to be able to forgive the people who have hurt us in our lives, the people who have caused offense. See, I think for us to really understand and to experience the impact that forgiveness has, it's all got to start with that relationship with Jesus. A relationship with Jesus is how we begin to comprehend what forgiveness really is. Recognizing that Jesus died on the cross to offer us forgiveness, to offer us life, to offer us something that we cannot do on our own. That's what Jesus offers when he, dies, when he died on the cross for our sins. That's where things begin. That's where we begin to understand this impact. And that should lead us then to be able to forgive other people. But I think in order to, to get to that place, we do need to walk through some of the ideas of what forgiveness isn't. This week has been kind of crazy. We, we opened up a bit of a can of worms by starting a series on forgiveness. Um, Pastor Lawrence and Pastor Kevin and I have been having so many interactions with people um, who are dealing with issues of unforgiveness. And this, the hurt and the pain that so many of you guys are going through is intense. It's heartbreaking. And it's completely understandable why there's such a challenge for us to find forgiveness in the midst of that. Because whenever I come along and say, if you don't forgive, you won't be forgiven, it sounds really pithy and painful because you're living with this hurt and this reality. But we need to understand how the sacrifice of Jesus can bring us to the place where even in the midst of that hurt and that pain, we are able to forgive. We are able to find peace in our lives. So let's think about some of the myths that exist around forgiveness. Because there are so many of them. In fact, we don't have time to cover all of the things that you could really understand about forgiveness that we tend to think in the wrong direction. But here's a handful of things. First off, 
Forgiveness is not based on other people's actions. Forgiveness is not based on other people's actions. It's based on our own attitudes. It's based on our own choices. In fact, forgiveness is not a feeling. And that is a good thing. Because if forgiveness was a feeling, none of us would ever forgive. Because no one would ever feel like forgiving. See, what forgiveness actually is, is forgiveness is letting go of resentment. It's not allowing the pain and the hurt that we are going through, the offense, to control the way that we act, to control the way that we think. It doesn't mean that we're going to completely be devoid of feeling those things. It doesn't mean that we're not going to feel the pain, but it's a step towards healing in that pain. It's a step towards understanding how God's forgiveness brings healing and how we then can be healed through forgiveness. It's a step in moving forward. We're going to be talking a lot about how forgiveness is a process. It's not a momentary thing. And when we choose to forgive, it starts that journey. Another thing that we tend to try and use when we talk about forgiveness is this idea is forgive and forget, right? But here's the thing. Forgiving is not necessarily forgetting. Forgiving is not necessarily forgetting. It's not ignoring the offense that you're dealing with. Forgiving does not mean putting yourself in a place to be hurt again. It doesn't mean being a doormat and letting yourself be walked over over and over again and letting the pain reoccur and reoccur. Forgiveness isn't trust. Forgiveness is supposed to happen almost immediately for us. Forgiveness is the thing that God calls us to. Trust is something we do need to build up, especially when somebody's hurt us. It doesn't mean reverting back to being the victim. It doesn't mean feeling like, because I've forgiven this person, now that I'm going to be that victim for the rest of my life. Forgiveness will not make everything exactly the same as it was before. It doesn't necessarily mean reconciliation. It doesn't necessarily mean restoration in relationship. That's the ideal. That's the ideal that if you have come to this place of forgiveness, that you can restore the relationship where that happens. But what forgiveness does mean is it means that we drop the resentment, we drop the grudge, we release our angst and our anger towards the person who's offended us. That's what forgiveness is. It doesn't make all the other stuff just disappear. Another thing that is a challenge when it comes to forgiveness and is a myth that we like to, to talk about is forgiveness does not mean that justice shouldn't be served. Now, last week, I said forgiveness means we need to set aside our right for justice. And that is true. We do need to set aside our own personal desire for justice, our own personal feeling that we should be the ones to enact justice. But that doesn't mean that justice shouldn't be and won't be served. In fact, when we forgive, what we're doing is we're revoking our right to have revenge. And instead, we're placing the role of judge back in the court where it belongs, in God's court. See, God is the ultimate judge. We are not supposed to be the agents of justice. We are supposed to be determined to do good even when somebody hurts us, instead of do evil towards them. What forgiveness does for us is it returns to God the right to take care of justice. It returns to God the right to do what is right in that situation. See, it doesn't mean that we're going to completely give up a longing to see the justice performed, but it is us setting aside 
this thing that holds us up that thinks that we need to be the one to make sure it happens. See, we're not letting the person who offended us off the hook. In fact, it's not a removal from consequences at all. Sometimes consequences still need to happen even when we offer forgiveness. What it's about is us being able to let go. Us being able to get that thing and let go of our right to get even so that we can be freed from the hurt, so that we can be freed from the pain, we can be freed from that offense that we're feeling. The impact of forgiveness is that it brings us this opportunity to heal. It brings us this opportunity to move on, to let go of something that is only going to keep eating us up if we hang on to it. Forgiveness has so much more to do with us than it does with the person outside of us. That's why it's a DIY issue. Forgiveness is a process. It's not just this one-time event. And it's this thing that we all need to seek to do. Because forgiveness removes some roadblocks in our life. It removes some tensions that we all interact with when we keep an unforgiving heart. I was actually just sharing with, with our team earlier this morning that there have been so many times in my life, and, and some times in particular where I've dealt with some pretty major hurt and some pretty major tension um, with some people, particularly family members, where for years I carried this thing with me and I didn't realize it. For years I allowed this unforgiveness to build up. And it's amazing how that unforgiveness permeates to every other relationship you have without you realizing it. You start to go into situations expecting somebody to fail you, expecting somebody to hurt you, expecting somebody to offend you. And when we carry that with us, then we miss out on the impact that God's forgiveness could have on our lives because we're so caught up in this. It becomes a roadblock between us and God. It becomes a roadblock between us and others, and it becomes a roadblock between us and having peace with ourselves. And some of you here today are probably in the place where you're actually the person that you need to forgive, that you have done something in your life or you've gone through something and you're having a hard time letting that thing go. We all need to get to that place where we understand that forgiveness is crucial and important and it'll allow us to overcome those roadblocks. But it's also a process. So this morning, how do we overcome our hurt? How do we overcome this pain? How do we get to the place where we can set aside the offense, set aside our right to get even? How do we do all of these things in order to be able to connect with God? Well, first, I think we need to recognize our unforgiveness. We need to recognize the places in our life where forgiveness is an issue for us. The people that we have not forgiven, the situations that we have not forgiven, the times that we have not forgiven ourselves, we need to recognize those times. And that means, and this is not the fun part, letting ourselves experience the pain. I think a lot of times we, we start to think, well, we have to forgive. So if I just forgive before the pain hits, then I'm good. I won't ever feel the pain. But too often when we do that, that pain settles in, grows into bitterness, it grows into this thing that lives under the surface. Before we know it, we've actually been living in unforgiveness for significantly longer than if we would have let ourselves experience the pain when it happened and then offered forgiveness then. Try and pinpoint the exact thing of your offense. Try and pinpoint the exact reason for why you're in hurt. I think so often the symptoms of our offense are the things that we gravitate to. 
I hurt because of this. We don't realize there's a deeper thing that we're not forgiving. And so we need to learn to be able to look for those places. Name the thing that you are offended by, the thing that hurts you as clearly as possible so you can get to the root of that, so you can understand what it is you need to forgive to be able to grow. Then we give it to God. When we understand the issue of forgiveness in our hearts, we give that to God. Like I said earlier, forgiveness begins when we understand the forgiveness of Jesus. When we understand the extent to which he went for our sakes to offer forgiveness, to give us some grace and some peace and some hope and some life. When we accept the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross, that allows us to be able to understand forgiveness a little more. And then we need to pray about it. We need to pray about it from our end. God, I give you this offense. We need to trust him to do what is right. Trust him to transform our hearts. Trust him to be the one who lets justice happen. We need to let it go and allow God to take that. And then we gotta do the harder part. We gotta pray for the person who has offended us and hurt us. Remember a few weeks ago in John 5, we talked about love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. That's what we're called to do. In the midst of this conversation on forgiveness, it's amazing how if we can learn to pray for the good of the people who hurt us, how much God can transform our hearts. It's not easy to do, especially when you're living with such immense hurt. But if we allow God into the conversation, he can slowly heal us and transform us and help us to be what we need to be so that we can offer forgiveness even in immense pain. And we need to work this out. We need to work it out because like I said earlier, forgiveness is not an event, just an event. It's a process. We need to be continually approaching our hurt and our pain with this humble attitude this picture of, man, I need to continue to work at this. I need to continue to bring this to prayer. I need to continue to rely on the forgiveness that God has offered me. Don't feel like you have to do that on your own. Even though forgiveness is a DIY thing, that doesn't mean that we can't get help. It doesn't mean that we can't talk to people we trust to help us work through forgiveness. It doesn't mean that can't go to a counselor. There is absolutely nothing wrong with going to a counselor. I know sometimes there's a stigma within the Christian circles that counseling is something special that you shouldn't interact with, but that's not the case. There's nothing wrong with finding help to work through these things in our lives because forgiveness takes time. We have to continually approach our hurt and our bitterness with an attitude of forgiveness. And over time, God will help us heal. It's okay to still feel negative emotions even when you've forgiven. There's gonna be a raw spot there. And when it's touched, you're gonna have to be reminded, man, I gotta remember, I've forgiven. This isn't gonna control me anymore. This isn't going to dictate the way in which I live my life because I choose to forgive. Sometimes it does mean offering forgiveness in person to the person who's hurt you and offended you. But not always. In fact, a good rule of thumb for that is if it's somebody that you would otherwise have a healthy relationship with, you should deal with them in person. But if not, if it's not someone you're ever gonna interact with, you might just be opening the door for more hurt. So forgiveness has to happen in your heart first. And 
not always in person. Let forgiveness impact your life. Let forgiveness bring transformation in your life. Because if we only hang on to the things that hurt us, we are always just going to be the victim of the plethora of circumstances that get thrown our way. We're always going to end up the victim. Forgiveness is the thing that can allow us to begin to heal, allow us to overcome the pain, allow us to get to this place where we can live life to the fullest because we recognize that the forgiveness of God leads us to forgive others. Let the forgiveness of Jesus impact your life. And not least of this means we need to be allowing forgiveness to flow through us. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray for us. Because I think this is something that so many of us are wrestling through. It's amazing how I recognize these places in my life where I might be hanging on to something that I didn't realize I was. Father God, we just pray that the forgiveness that you have given us at the cross, that this hope that you offer us, Lord, becomes the thing that drives us to forgive the people in our lives that have hurt us. Father God, I know that so many people in this room are dealing with a hurt so big that they don't feel like it's possible to overcome. God, I just pray that you continue to move and shape in people's lives. Allow us to come to you and release the thing that has hurt us. Release the offense. Allow us to get to the place where we can forgive like you have forgiven us. God, give us the strength to pray for the people who have hurt us. Give us the endurance to continually work it out, to continue to seek what you have for us. We love you, Lord.